Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 879. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Uh, Audible has the best audiobook performances, unmatched selection, the most exclusive content. Say, uh, maybe you want something uh, sci-fi-y. How about uh, The Martian Chronicles, Ray Bradbury? You could have that. Narrated by Mark Boyette. You could listen to it right now. I mean, after this podcast. But then you could listen to it. Uh, Audible will, you know, instead of... Uh, filling your head with the same music you listen to over and over again. Listen to an audiobook after you listen to a podcast. Listen to an audiobook. It, it'll be available on all your devices, it, synced up exactly where you left it off. Whatever it is, start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. Learn more at audible.com slash Nerdist. Um, let's go to the Nerdist Community Court Board. First of all, ID10T Festival is this weekend in Silicon Valley. Uh, there's Panels, you know, we got a conman panel with Nathan Fillion and uh, and Alan Tudyk. We have Harmontown. We have Mystery Science Theater, Portlandia, The Magicians, uh, Animaniacs, Futurama. Jesus, people, what do you want? Then uh, comedy, music. Uh, we have uh, Weezer, OK Go, a lot of amazing comedy. Dimitri Martin, Nikki Glaser. So come on down, and there's a Comic Con at the center of it. So see a lot of uh, local artists, crafters, makers, all down at the Shoreline Amphitheater. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, June 24 and 25 in Mountain View, California. Go to ID10TFest.com for tickets and info. I will see you up there. Uh, also, Will Vega writes, after hearing Chris speak so passionately and often about the virtues of pursuing one's dream in an internet age, I've decided to make a push to expand my online store, Camp Kitsch Press, which is CampKitschPress.com. That's K-I-T-S-C-H. Uh, I designed nerdy, kitschy label, lapel pins, patches, hats, shirts. Started as a hobby, but now uh, he's decided to throw his hat in the ring full time. Good for you, uh, and give it a legitimate go. If anything uh, sees any, if anyone sees anything they like on the site, use the Nerdist discount, Nerdist CC, and then I'll get twenty percent off their entire order. Very nice, Will. Throwing a little uh, offer code in there. Also, Kevin writes, I'm a self-described geek who got my pilot's license about a year ago. Chris and company inspired me to make a thing. Uh, the thing is Aviator Geek channel on YouTube. Watch as I share what I learned about my new passion, aviatorgeek.com. I'm so proud of all of you. Making your thing. Making it happen. Not settling for crap. Just going out and being happy. Pursuing joy. I'm very proud of you. Uh, this episode of Sofia Coppola. Uh, speaking of pursuing joy, uh, I adore her work. And uh, The Beguiled is a fantastic, super fucked up movie in a great way. Uh, It's in theaters June 23rd. And, you know, I'm actually, uh, we tell a story uh, in, on this episode. This is, I'm, you know, sometimes they'll do corrections in magazines. This is a pre, I was about to say pre-rection, but that sounds bad. A pre-correction, I suppose. Um, So I tell a story and you'll hear it, but uh, Jason Schwartzman told me a story off the podcast about how he gave uh he ordered these books and he gave them to um he gave them to uh Colin Farrell and Colin Farrell's in the beguiled and I didn't I couldn't remember what the books were so this is the correction in the podcast I say I think it was the Beatles or something no it was it was a Morrissey and me and then a T-Rex biography so you know when that time comes you'll go okay good now I'm just saving you the trouble of tweeting at me and going, oh, that's not what it is, Chris, if you somehow knew that. See the Big Isle in theaters, June 23rd. Uh, huge honor to have Sofia Coppola on. Uh, we recorded this podcast at my house uh, just about a week and a week and a half ago. Oh, and also, here's how cool she was. Uh, Lydia put a guest book in the, in the guest bathroom when you first come into the house, and Sofia Coppola signed the guest book in the bathroom, which I thought was very sweet. Uh, so there you go. Here's Nerds Podcast number 879, also brought to you by Stamps.com, of course, uh, avoid the hassle. Don't go to the post office. Stop torturing yourself. 
Uh, Stamps.com lets you buy and print official U.S. postage for anything that you want to mail, any letter, package, class of mail. Click print, mail, you're done. Unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. You, you know, like they don't close a minute early and you get there at like 4.59 and they're, and they're you know, spiritually flipping you off as they're like dropping the blinds on the thing. It does not happen uh, on, on the internet. So uh, they're going to send you a digital scale that calculates the exact postage you need. They're going to help you decide the best class for whatever you need to mail. And then uh, they're going to bring all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. Right now you can enjoy Stamps.com with a special offer that includes a four-week trial. Plus postage in a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in NERDIST. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. But listen to the NERDIST podcast now with Sofia Coppola, number 879. Katie, please roll the thing. Now entering NERDIST.com. that in there and I, I don't know when that got I was in there and honestly I've, I've never opened it I don't know if I would sign maybe I probably would That's so funny. I would I would put it I would put something in there if I were at someone's house um uh, thanks for coming to the house. Thanks for having me. Of course. I know this is uh, somewhat, it's kind of informal. It's not it's really, nice. yeah. it's not really like a studio. I still feel like a lot of the time the podcast feels like, hey, I'm recording this in my mom's basement, you know, because it's very low, it's very lo-fi. Uh, are you on, are you in the midst of Beguiled Press tour? I am. I am. We just, and we, it's been nonstop. We shot it last fall in New Orleans. Then we've been editing it and got it finished in time for Cannes. And now it's coming out. So it's, it's all been kind of compressed. And, um, so it's exciting that it's coming out. And do, is there any part of the process that you particularly enjoy or don't enjoy? This, just the, the inception to the shooting to the editing and then all the press stuff. Cause it's a lot of different things to have to get your brain set for. Yeah, I find the writing the hardest part, um, and the shooting is probably the most exciting because you're working with actors and you're all on location and stressful. But I, I enjoy editing because it's just me and the editor, and it, the movie starts to take shape. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and um, and then the promo part is probably the weirdest because talking about yourself all the time <laughs> um, gets a little strange. Do you, do you ever, but now that you've done this so many times, when you're shooting something. You go, oh, I better remember that story because I'm going to be on a couch or an interview and someone's going to go, what's well, a crazy thing that happened? Uh, no, the shit's always a blur. And then someone asks you for, like, for an anecdote and you're like, uh, I, I, don't, I can't think because we it's just, just all a blur. We were focused on making the yeah, thing. Yeah, I think we're in such a – yeah, so focused just to get everything done. And we had a sh- it was a short shoot, so we had, we're getting, we had a lot to do. What was the yeah. shooting schedule? We shot it in 26 days. Oh, my God. Which is – Pretty intense, and um, but luckily it all was in one location. Or we right. shot in two places. It is. It's like a really beautiful play. I saw. It. I got. To, I got to see it. Oh, great! Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's what I liked about it is that it was just so focused and kind of claustrophobic, and it just about um, these characters and and um, and I, I liked that it all took place in one setting. Yeah, I had no idea that there was a 1971 beguiled oh, movie. Really? And I mean, was it? Did you find this movie and go, "Oh, I want to do, I want to do that"? Or did someone bring it to you? How did you arrive at it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a classic for people that really know movies, but I had never seen it. I didn't know anything about it. And um, and my production designer, who um, worked on this film, and my friend said, oh, have you ever... She saw the movie, and she said, I think you need to see this movie. I think you need to make a new version of it. And, <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, what are you talking about, this Don Siegel kind of his art movie? Um, and and uh, so I watched it not knowing anything about it, and I was so surprised by the turn of turn of events right. and what happens. I didn't expect it at all. And it just stayed in my mind and I thought it was so weird and, and such a great premise um, about, you know, a group of women and Southern women and they take in an enemy soldier and, um, and all the sexual repression and the heat of the South. And I've always found the South to be very exotic. Cause mm-hmm. It's so different than how I grew up. And um, so, so then I started thinking about it and I found the book that it was based on, which was out of print and started thinking about how how to adapt it. I tried to forget about the movie and just say how would I adapt this story because I just loved the story. Right. I mean, you, you. I know you. I know Virgin Suicides was a book, but have yeah. you ever? Has any? Have you ever done anything else that was adapted from another thing? Yeah. When I did um, Marie Antoinette, it was based oh, right, on the course. Antonio yeah. Fraser book. Right. But um. But I've done both original and adaptation and. and I, I enjoy ad- adapting a book because it, it gives you something to work from. And you don't have that panic of the blank, blank page. <laughs> right. And- right. Yeah. It is kind of funny that they, uh, uh, I was doing a panel yesterday that Neil deGrasse Tyson was on and he said the worst direction you can give an engineer is just do whatever you want. You know, <laughs> like they go, oh, I need direct, I need something. I need something to hold yeah. on to. Yeah, definitely. I think it's always, always that moment, which I'm about to approach when you finish something, you're like, now what do I do? I can do anything you know right it's 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 nice to have some kind of framework and, and adapting a book is enjoyable because it's like a puzzle like how do you turn this book into a movie which i enjoy right it, it do you have sort of like a list in the back of your head of like okay now i want to do this like you know just something that you've been holding on to for like decades yeah i don't i had one story that an original i was i was kind of thinking about when i was starting to work on this so i'm thinking i We'll try to go back to that, but I don't know. I don't have. I've always heard Woody Allen has a drawer of tons of ideas. I, I don't have that drawer. <laughs> I think his brain just never shuts off, and yeah. it's just like he just needs to silence the voices. Like I'll just write this. I'll just deal with you later. Yeah. Um. So now that you're done with this, you go through this process. Your press is probably a couple of weeks. The movie comes out June twenty third, mm-hmm. I guess. And then do you take a break? Yes. You do. Okay, good. Yes. Good, good, good. I'm really looking forward to summer vacation with my kids. I have two daughters. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to And are they uh, are they uh, like teenagers? Or? Uh, seven and ten. Oh, seven and ten. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they're just about to yes. get to that place where you don't, they don't yeah. want to listen to what you have it's, to say. It's the last few moments where they maybe will want to hang out with me. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to, I want to uh, be present for that. Yeah, enjoy spending time with them while they still hang out with me. You can still buy them clothes, and they don't go. What is this? Mm, The little one, the seven-year-old, but the ten-year-old, I've kind of passed that. (laughs) You passed that already. And I tell her, you know, people actually think that you know, like I I work in fashion, I know about fashion, and she's like, really? Like, yeah, (laughs) she does not want to hear my input in clothes. (laughs) Is it a strange? I mean, I feel like it's such a strange time to my. We've only been married since August, but but eventually, you know, kids are around the corner. but it just feels like such a weird time to be raising kids. There's not a lot of, I feel like, positive imagery in the world. And there's a lot of craziness. And it's just the devices. And the, I mean, how, yeah, how do you make them connect? 
Yeah, I mean, we're just on the verge of, of like, they don't have phones yet, but um, I'm afraid that, yeah, I'll never speak to them again after that <laughs> all opens up. So it's, it's a little scary, especially, you know, for my generation that didn't have that growing up. It's a, how do you keep them in the real world? And then it's, it's, yeah, it is weird. I'm sure for every generation, it's probably weird, but it seems especially sci-fi. Like it's especially weird now because, I mean, I guess when I was a kid, you know, we just, the video game revolution was just starting, but now, I mean, there's just, just this all the time and it's yeah. so compelling if you're a parent and you're busy, you're like, yeah, just keep them occupied. Oh, yeah. But then no. they're just not connecting with anything. No, and then the idea of YouTube stars is really confusing to me. <laughs> that, like, that they think it's great to be famous for no reason. I, I it's hard for me because, yeah. Are your kids artistic in any way? Are you fostering? Uh, are you fostering art? Oh, I think all kids are. They like to draw and tell stories. But yeah. I think hopefully all kids do, and then you can hold on to that if you can. But there's something. I feel like there's something particularly potent in the Coppola genes. I love your cousin, by the way. I, I know Jason. Jason? Yes. Oh, he's the best. He's just the sweetest, <laughs> most wonderful guy. Oh, he is. And, but there's something There's something in your family's genes of like, these are all very artistic, talented people. I, I know. I guess, um, yeah, it, it's crazy that everyone is so, there's so many creative people in my family. So it's, I guess there's a gene somewhere. But it's not even just, I mean, it, it, it seems like there's a, it's a specific type of creativity. It's a type of creativity. It's like, I'm going to go just forge this path of, I'm going to do, you know, these are things that I enjoy doing and I'm going to forge this path. And it doesn't really feel like anyone, I don't know, follows any particular rules that are put forth by the entertainment industry. Oh yeah. I never, I never really thought about it, but um, I guess there's been, you know, examples. My dad set an example of just going out and doing his thing. So maybe by seeing that we, we'd learn something from him. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of outsider. But you went to art school, right? I did. I went to Cal arts for a little bit and then art center, which I didn't, I didn't finish school, but I, I did my time. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be you a did. painter. And then, do you still paint? No, no. I tried to recently, and and it was discouraged. So I'd like to try again. <laughs> but. That's really interesting to hear you say that because I, for me, one of the when I watch one of your movies, it, they, it always feels like this wide, beautiful portrait. Oh, cool! Like it, fe- and not not even just visually, but story wise too. It just sort of feels like a portrait. Oh, interesting. And I feel like some, but you know, at the end, you're sort of left with interpreting what you think it meant to you when you were looking at it. Oh, good. Cause I want to have that, um, impression and not, I don't think like here's a message I want to tell the audience. I want them to experience it and then take away what they do, whatever it is personal to them. So that's nice. I never thought about maybe there's the connection from my wanting to be a painter. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like, do you feel like the audience is always right if they go, Oh, the movie's about this and they go and someone else goes, no, it's actually about this. Do you feel like, that's, well, it's very personal and that they're all, everyone's right. Yeah. That's the best when people talk about it and have different ideas and, and yeah, that's the, that's the be- most, most you could hope for. Yeah. Did you always, was directing something you always wanted to do or you, you just fell into it after art school? Yeah, no, I didn't. I never thought about it. I mean, I spent my whole life on my dad's sets and was watching him work. And he always talked to my brother and I about um, writing and directing as if, you know, he was, you know, teaching all the time. So, um, but it just never occurred to me, or maybe I was just resisting going into the family <laughs> business. And um, and yeah, so then I spent my 20s trying different things and um, and it was hard to figure out. I couldn't like find that one thing that was satisfying all my different interests until I made a short film just, you know, kind of for fun. 
And, um, and then I thought, oh, this is incorporating all the things I love with music and photography and the things I couldn't pick just one. I sure. found it annoying that I had to pick one thing. And, um, and then I read um, The Virgin Suicides and I heard they were making a movie of it. And I thought, I hope they don't mess it up because I love that book. And so I decided to just as a, an experiment to try to adapt that on my own um, and see like, how you'd write a screenplay from a book. And, um, and then I got so into it that I wrote the script and I thought, um, now I felt really attached to it. And so I, I tracked on the producers and I said, would you please look at my script? And, and somehow they let me direct the movie. <laughs> and, I know. and I didn't, I really wasn't planning on being a director. It was really that book that made me just out of wanting to protect that book. And I was so clear about how it had to be made as a movie that I, um, that I had some kind of drive to make it. And was there any part of you that was like, shit, if I do this, then there's all, you know, people are going to, they're going to compare and it's weird or just don't worry about that. I just tried not to think about it. I was just so focused on, I wanted to tell that story and I, I had to, had to get that, you know, when you get an idea of something and it nags at you and I just had sure. to listen to that, but I, I tried not to be too self-conscious and, and, um, yeah. And I just, I just thought I had to do it. I mean, it worked out fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone, I don't think that, I don't think. I think that hurdle be, was overcome very, very, very quickly. Uh, no, but it's always it. There, there was always, you know, there's always a part of that. But, um, but I felt, you know, compelled to make my work. Yeah, and so when you were finished with that, because I think it was about maybe four years. Was Lost in Translation '03? I think it was around then. I made uh, Virgin Suicides in '99. Yeah, and so yeah, it was a couple of years later. I, it usually takes me a couple of years in between films because I write the script. I have to think about what I'm interested in and then write a script. And, yeah. and, then, and then by the time you get the financing together and, and with Lost in Translation, I spent a year trying to track down Bill Murray. So that <laughs> had to be factored in. I mean, you're lucky it was only a year because I hear that guy is like... It, he is mysterious. He is mysterious. <laughs> he might he may just appear. Like if you're, yeah. if you're having a bar mitzvah, he might just appear at it. You don't know when yeah. Bill Murray is going to appear. Yeah, it's always... Um, it's never boring. It's always, it's always... And it's always exciting to hear about a Bill Murray spotting, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so. Who was the was it? We had a, the um, uh, Saint Vincent, I think the the, the guy who directed Saint Vincent, yeah. and he and he was just he's just, he just left messages on this infamous voicemail that yes. Bill Murray has, and he would just nag him and never heard back. And then one day his phone just rang and he was like, "Hey, I'm landing in L.A. and you know, can you pick me up? Let's talk about it." Yeah, yeah. My my story is not um, dissimilar. I, I left messages on the eight hundred number for. <laughs> Yeah, for ages. And, <laughs> and luckily, my friend Mitch Glazer, who's a writer who works with him, um, he thought, he looked at, I showed him some of what I was writing for Lost in Translation. He thought it was interesting that I saw him that way. And he was really helpful and, thought, you know, told Bill that he should meet me. And, um, and one day he just called me out of the blue, Mitch, and said, I- I'm here with Bill. He says, come by. They were at a restaurant in New York, and I'll never forget um, going to see him, and he was wearing seer- a seersucker suit. Of course, <laughs> of course he was. And then you guys immediately hit it off. Um, yeah, he was. He was really nice to me, and I was, you know, smitten. It's Bill Murray, and then, but he still never committed to doing the movie. And it really wasn't until I went to Japan, like that, I even it, it was like, "Is he going to show up and do this?" And he, I think he said, "I'm, I'm inclined to do it." And then that was it. And then he showed up. Oh wow! So it was scary the the, um, the moments before he showed up. So what have you learned about working with actors? Like, how, how do you, you know, especially. 
with someone like Bill Murray, who I'm sure is a very nice guy, but probably has a very specific way of... I mean, every actor, I'm sure, has a specific way of doing things. Some people probably want more direction. Some people probably want to just do their own thing. So how do you... You, you do have to, I, I imagine, be in the personality management business as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you, so much of it is just casting. You know that, that casting the right person, they're going to bring whatever um, you see in them connects to the character. So I think that's that's the biggest part is the casting. And then just being clear what the you know, what the story is and what your kind of what the tone is and, and encouraging the side that you are looking for and, and kind of changing the subject for a direction <laughs> that isn't so much what you're doing, I guess. But um, yeah, I just feel like they bring so much to it and then it's fun to work together to, and then a lot of it comes together in the editing room too. Gotcha. Way you go. I mean, it, do you, <laughs> do you feel like there are certain things that if you're not getting out of an actor, like, do you have tricks where you're like, Oh, maybe, you know, are there certain little fun director things that you can do to trick people into getting what you want out of them? I feel like I've had a, I've had a, always had a good bunch, pretty pretty much. Like they they haven't had too much trouble. I'm trying to think. I I always ask my dad about that because he he comes from theater and so he he does a lot of like uh, rehearsals and theater games. And I remember saying like, "What do you do when someone's not if they're not being natural or acting?" And he has different little uh, tricks which I have to remember in his <laughs> his in his notes. But I remember him saying that if someone isn't if you don't like what they're doing, just ask them to just talk about their morning and try to get them to be themselves and forget about acting. So there's things like that. But I haven't had, um, I mean, I've worked with such great actors and and they've understood what I was looking for, I guess. Well, I mean, I imagine, I guess in that sense, you're probably pretty clear up top. Yeah. I mean, are you very methodical about how everything is mapped out? Do you know... <laughs> Like, do you have like, the, okay, everything's storyboarded. This is exactly no. what I'm going to, you don't. Oh no, not at all. I feel like, um, it's, I, I could never storyboard a movie. I mean, I think it's interesting people that do, but I, um, I don't know until I'm on the set with the actors, you know, um, where the camera is going to go until you see the, them blocking it. Cause you know, the actors have opinions about what feels right to them. And so, so uh, I try to be flexible and, and figure it out as we go. It's more intuitive. Gotcha. And then do you feel like you learn a new thing each time you get through and go, oh, wow, I thought I kind of yeah. thought I knew everything, but now I know now, now uh, this. No, I always feel like when I start a movie that it's a challenge and it's, and it's like doing it for the first time. And then there's always things that I learn. Um, I can't think if I know specifically what it is, but I always feel like I'm learning something. And, and with this movie, the beguiled, I, um, like doing a movie in a genre I've never done before. So I felt like, Oh, that's interesting to learn, like how to do a movie in a genre that's still, connected to how I do things and in my style. Yeah. And do you feel, and so you actually do feel like you, when you, if you look at all your, cause when I look at your movies, I go, those are all from the same. I can tell they're from the same person, even though they don't all don't look the same. Oh, thank you. So is that, is that just a natural function of just you doing it? Or do you feel like there's a conscious decision of like, Oh, I, I feel like I need to have it be this way. No, I think it just comes from, I put, myself and my personality into it so I just pick the things that I'm into and so I, th- I guess that comes across and I, th- I feel like that was movies that I li- or filmmakers that I like you, you you can see the I love when you can see the person who made it and know that's a so-and-so movie um, instead of just something that anyone could make that it comes from their point of view so I, I think that I hope that comes across sure. and so in any um, even though the movies are different that they all come from my point of view, I guess, or why well, mm-hmm. I have a really, I hope this is not a stupid question. No, I apologize. This is a dumb question. And going back to what we said earlier, you might go, sure. If you think that, then maybe that's what it is. 
do you feel like there is a recurring theme of isolation with your characters? Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, like, you know, Lost in Translation, he, he seems emotionally isolated and he's also isolated in Japan. In The Beguiled, they're isolated in the Southern mm-hmm. the Virgin Suicides. This family seems kind of isolated at the same time. Like, is there is there a thread? No, you're right. There is. But I don't know why. I didn't I don't set out to be like, I want to do stories about isolation. Um, but I, I love that about this story in The Beguiled. They're so these women so cut off and the women at wartime cut off from the rest of the world. and They're like ghosts. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I am interested in stories about that. I guess I don't know. I think when you're, when I'm writing, I'm in a more introverted uh, mood because you're alone writing sure. and you have to face yourself or whatever. <laughs> so it's not my, um, you know, other side that's more, um, you know, connected with sure. things. So maybe that has something to do with it. But I don't know. And I and I like stories about identity, you know, identity and p- people finding that. And so that's a more introspective thing, I guess. But I don't feel isolated as a person. Right. Oh, that's cool. But, well, yeah. that's good. Yeah. I mean, it is. You know, the they are. These women are basically stuck. Well, I'm not, I don't want to give yeah. too much away, so people don't feel like anything is spoiled. But, but essentially, yeah. they're they're isolated during this uh, the civil, civil war. war, and so it just it bring, I think of a lot of questions like, well, who are? How do they all get there together? Are they all related or not related or friends or some of the uh, kids are like? It's a Southern girls' school, so they were the girls were sent there to go to school, and then the war broke out, and they're, they're they can't stuck. go home. They're right. stuck there, and um. And I love it. It's it's during that time of the the South and the Civil War where they were like raised to to be hostesses and have parties and be lovely with for gentlemen. And it's all kind of about that. And then all of a sudden, the party's over. There's no men around, and and um, and they're kind of stuck, you know, stuck. To the extent where they'll say things in the movie like, "Oh, the next soldiers aren't going to be by for months, probably." So they're literally just in a plantation. Yeah, and everyone. Um, yeah, and the slaves left, and 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 they they have to learn how to survive on their own, and they weren't raised to do that, so they're really totally cut off from the world. And how I imagine it was like for these women during the war, and I think it's interesting to think about. Yeah, the women left behind during the wartime. Right, because then it raises a bunch of other questions, like, well, where do they go? What happens? Where do they go? From I mean, oh, at the end of the story. Yeah, I'm sure there's not going to be like the guy too. <laughs> <Two? unless> you... <laughs> yeah, I like that. You just felt like. Um, yeah, that's yeah. That they're not going anywhere. I think <laughs> they're not going anywhere for a while. Is is it smack dab in the middle of the Civil War? Or is it kind it's of a couple years? End? A couple years into it. A couple it. years into yeah. it. So they still have. They still. There's still a lot of runway between them and the end of the war. Yeah, but not that. It wasn't that long. Yeah. Right. So, uh, what is your writing? Process? I don't know what happens to them <laughs> after the war. That's a good question. Well, I guess it doesn't really yeah. matter. I guess it's sort of left. To, no. I mean, when people it's see the end of the movie, of it. it's fun to think about what happens to them. Yeah. But yeah. It, especially that la- especially the last shot which i won't give away but it does that's also like a really beautiful portrait where you're just looking at that if you just even just saw that as a painting you go what the fuck happened (laughs) where are these what's gonna happen with these people Uh, i like it i mean it reminded me a little bit of a portrait the way they're waiting in the in the gate but i won't won't say too much (laughs) no 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 because people definitely there is a i mean it's there is a twist and people you know we don't want to give that away because people get angrier at spoilers now than almost anything else uh, on our planet well i think it's fun to see it without knowing too much yeah it's more of a surprise so what's your writing what is your writing process when you say are you do you are you like a 9 to 5er or is it just a well I just write until I can't write anymore? Oh yeah, I'm kind of winging it. I used to um before having kids I would stay up all night and write at night, which was my favorite, and now I've had to learn to I have to wake up in the morning with a little kid <laughs> with kids, so I can't do that anymore. So I just kind of fit it in 
whenever I can. And I have a little office and, and during the day I'll, yeah, try to be disciplined, but it's not too structured. Do you allow your brain to wander and get distracted or do you have tricks for forcing yourself to just squeeze it out when you uh, no, it's hard. I think I think it's you have to build in time for procrastinating and call it putter time, just where you where you are not doing anything because that's when you get ideas. Um, so it's hard, like when you have more of a structured life and you have a babysitter for two hours and you have to, you know, you can't you can't just sit and like look through flip through books or whatever. Um, so yeah, I always find I find it I find it hard. It's hard to be disciplined about writing, but um, I don't know. Somehow I got through it. Yeah, I mean, but you must have times where. You just feel like, okay, I just started and I can't, my brain is just frozen. Yeah. I don't know. I should know what my tricks are. I guess it's good just to go do something else. But and I remember talking to my friend Tamara Jenkins, who's mm-hmm. also a director and a writer, because we were both writing at the same time. And she got a program called Freedom so that it cuts off your internet on your computer so you can write. Oh. So that you don't get distracted with going online and emails oh, and stuff. So. That was good to know about because there's so many distractions. There's just all distractions. I know. And you know, it's funny because I think that is, I think that's what people want. They want to be distracted because no one really wants to deal with stuff. It's not fun to deal with stuff. So we're just all distractions. I know, but I'm worried about what's like, yeah, everyone on their phone all the time. Like when I was telling my kids, like, you need time to space out. Like, when do you just space out? Because that's when you get ideas and that's when you think about things. And I'm worried that our culture doesn't have enough just spacing out quiet time. I 100% agree because we, it's too enticing to be, to just have something distract you and yeah. engage you all the time. And even in line to get a coffee, like everyone's on there. <laughs> everyone's on their phone. Like, yeah. You're in an elevator. You're in an it's elevator for what? Yeah. 32 seconds. And yeah. you still like your phone's out and you're yeah. still scrolling around. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm going to try to cut the cord off. <laughs> <laughs> are you super internet-y? Are you, are you a social media at all? Do you No, work? no. not at all. So smart. No. So Don't open that can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> Are you worried that you would get sucked into it or just that the toxicity of it would sort of bleed into your psyche? Yeah, it just seems like such a big commitment. And I, yeah, I just don't even want to go there (laughs) too much. (laughs) Are you able to, you know, with, do you read reviews? Are you able to, do you take criticism well or do you just? (laughs) No, who does? No, I try not to. It's because you can read a hundred or hear a hundred good things and then you hear one um, mean, you know, unkind thing. And that's the only thing you stays in your mind. So I try, I try not to look at it too much. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because people are by nature just insecure that they're always doing the wrong thing? I don't know. It's the way our brain works, but I don't, I need to ask an expert. It, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like maybe it has something to do with, you know, in ev- throughout evolution, you know, we are evolved to need to like be in a tribe Oh, and yeah. then the second it feels like the tribe is not accepting you, you're like, oh, oh yeah. my genes are going to die. Like, oh, I, I yeah. always feel like it, it must come, like, Yeah, it must have some survival I always instinct. feel like my, my genes are going to die is ultimately the big thing <laughs> that I was afraid of. Yeah, it's probably just built thing. into us, yeah. Do you ever feel like doing a – is there like a, a a movie that like a big scope type of a, you know, I, I don't want to say like superhero movie, but like an action movie or a horror movie or any kind of crazy other genre that you would want to try? Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't one like I'm always wondering about, so, um, but I, I never say never I'm open, but no, I haven't thought about like one that I'd love to tackle. You know, if you never, there's not like a horror movie inside you somewhere Mm-mm. just waiting to speak no, out. No, I'm kind of curious about sci-fi, but I don't have any ideas in that genre. 
what do you well it's really easy just think of whatever movie you're going to think of and just be like in space yeah. <laughs> it really, beguiled in space they're on an asteroid that's so funny During i don't a, know if i would know how to do that you don't know <laughs> what do you watch when you're at home do you is it movies television um yeah i'd like when you get like to get into a tv show but i haven't lately um what have i watched no i don't know i watch movies and um I watched, uh, I don't know, that was a while ago, like the OJ um, documentary series. I'm behind on things, but um, but yeah. Is it kids mostly that kind of eat up the time that you would be sitting around vegging out in front of a television? Um, I don't know. I've just been so busy finishing this movie and then, yeah, having kids, being with my kids. And I don't know what I'm, <laughs> I, I, what I've been doing, but it seems busy. I, I am. Um, or like trying to catch up on emails by the end of my real life day. Um, but I know I love, um, it's fun to get sucked into a show or, um, you know, watch movies. Yeah. Uh, is the business. Do you have any recommendations? Yeah. The one tons. that you're watching now? Well, uh, let's see. What are we watching now? That's really good. Well, we watch a lot of, we watch a lot of horror and we watch a lot of true crime. Uh, and so the, <laughs> See, I don't want to get stressed out at, at bed when I'm going to sleep. I want, no, I'm I like escapism. Okay. Yeah. Um, Baskets is great. Oh, I heard that. Okay. I, yeah, I love him, so I need to watch that. Zach Galifianakis' okay. show. It's such a beautiful show. It's beautifully shot. It's incredibly acted. Louis Anderson plays his mom, and he is stunning on the show. I mean, everyone is so good on the show. Oh, I have to see it. Yeah. And, and on paper, the premise is is really hokey. I mean, like it's, he's a clown and he wants to be taken seriously as a clown. He went to clown school yeah. in France and he's terrible. And there's just this like Buster Keaton layer of sadness to it, but it's so funny and so real somehow. Oh yeah. I heard it was great and I, I really love him. So I have to see it. Yeah. I recommend, okay. I, I recommend that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I hope you like it. Um, have you ever thought about, uh, television or like, uh, you know, I'm going to do a six, eight episode mini arc. I like the idea of, I still call them mini series, but yes, the idea of a lim- limited series, but I like the idea because as a kid, like eighties glamorous mini series was, it was, was very glad. Yeah. Words. I love, I love that. So I'd love to do something really glamorous for that. Um, but I know I haven't thought of one, but it's, it's definitely, I, I think it's exciting now that you can have an idea that can be five hours long or it can be 20 minutes long that there's an outlet for that, which really wasn't when I started making films. Yeah. And well, I think the interesting part of that though, is some of the stuff that's a limited run you watch and you go, ah, this could have just been a movie. This didn't uh, be like really? eight episodes long. Like, there's sometimes you'll get like, they're not suited. Well, you just get to like episode three, four, five and you're like, ah, they're really trying Stretching to, it. they're really trying to stretch this out. Oh, that's true. Uh, do you, when you, by the time you get into the edit bay, do you ever, are you always pretty confident, like, I've got enough of what I needed? Or are you ever stressed, like, oh, we're going to get there, and then this shot's not going to be there? Yeah, well, luckily my editor is in, in touch. She's, she's cutting while we're filming so she can tell us if we're missing something. So yeah. she always tells us, okay, like, we, we got enough for that. So 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 I'm not as worried that we're missing a shot. But um, but you're always it's always a relief that it cuts together. <laughs> it's always like, oh, wow, it works. So it's, it's always a pleasant surprise yeah when it comes together but i guess part of that too is just trusting that you know what you're doing at this point yeah and then having my editor checking it every day and telling us yeah and i'm working with a team that's really pro my cinematographer philippe lasort who's great um you know helped a lot to make sure we had all the coverage we needed yeah 
do you ever give talks or anything? Do you ever like just for to inspire young people, particularly young women who might not think, oh, a film is I could direct a movie. Oh yeah, I, I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't see myself as a good public speaker, but I I'm happy to do question and answers and answer questions. And I, I went to NYU and talked to a class, and um, and we had we had three young women film students on set who are watching, and so I'm I'm happy to um, to try to be helpful to any young filmmakers. Does it feel like the business is getting any better about encouraging female artists? You know, I, I, it hasn't changed a lot since when I started in 99, which is discouraging, but, um, but it just feels like it's in the air. A lot of people are talking about it right now. It's exciting that Wonder Woman was such a big hit. Right. And, um, and I think, I think it's starting to be known that there is a audience for, you know, female driven subject matter. Yeah. So that's encouraging. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I, I kind of have a little bit of like, um, like bro movie fatigue where it's like, okay, these two dudes are just going to beat the shit out of each other and knock yeah. all the buildings down in the process. Oh yeah. There's yeah. A little fatigue about that. I'm sure. Yeah. There's so many of those. Yeah, the whole superhero thing has been milked, <laughs> drawn out, <laughs> I guess, but it's not really my thing. So I know people enjoy that too. I, so I feel like there's, a, there's, I feel like you could do a really cool superhero movie. Cause you would, you would have a, your, your, your point of view on it would be different. And so uh, it would, uh, like meandering existential yes, superhero. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, honestly, think about, look, we've already seen like, you know, so much, a lot of superhero movies are so much about what they can do physically, but imagine if, you know, let's just say all of a sudden you had some sort of crazy, that would fuck with your head. Like you would have a lot of psychological issues to process. There oh would be God. a lot of stuff to deal That's with. I so really, funny. I really think there's. I think there's some. I think we're getting to the point where we where we've seen so many superhero movies, but really kind of exploring the you psychology. Want the Sopranos. You want the Sopranos yeah. version? Yes. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, that's it a really is. great idea. I feel like there could Zach be Zach Galifianakis can be the. Um, Zach would be in it. Yeah, he Zach can be. Would... He can be the superhero who's doubting his newfound powers. I mean, you know, we're we're riffing and it's silly, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm telling you, I really think there's something there's something really cool there. If you directed it and Zach was in it, I'd okay. see the shit out of that movie. <laughs> okay, because think on that. Yeah, no, because at least it's not. You know, I think there's something really interesting about coming into a genre that has such an expected path and then being able to spin it yeah. and go, well, here's an, a completely alternative point of view. Yeah, no, I think it's fun the idea of playing with genre. Yeah. Is there, uh, I mean, when you look at everything you've done, is, is there a specific genre that you feel like, oh, this is more what I'm suited to? Um. No, I just sort of do my thing, but it was fun on this movie to get into like a Southern Gothic and really embrace the genre aspect and have girls in nightgowns with candelabras and kind of be part of that history or something. And there was a fun challenge in that. And that, I imagine that also probably affects how you're setting the scene when there's no electricity and everything has to be, you know. Yeah, yeah. We try to make it look authentic, but it was fun to have lots of candelabras and it added to the, the whole Gothic vibe of it and the and the point the spikes on the gate and 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 just the angles like in the, in the last section of the movie the angles get more heightened of the camera and you know it's kind of and a little bit of gore for me it was had some gore oh yeah yes mm. there's definitely yeah. a little bit yeah just a little bit just yeah. enough <laughs> yes just enough for me it was a lot but for a normal movie <laughs> yes it's just a, a hint were you not so gore is not your you've 
Yeah, no, it's not my thing, but it was funny because I I would have meetings with the special effects makeup guy and he was like, how how big do you want the wound? And was really into it. And I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever you think, you know, so it was funny. Well, yeah, because I imagine especially at that time, any wound is a potentially life-threatening yeah. scenario. Yeah, it's a, a different. It, back then it was more grave. And it's not like they can pour back teen on it. So they're basically, it, everything just looks Kind yeah. of disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it, we embrace I, that. You have to embrace that because I think, I think the if we were able to travel back in time, I think the biggest thing we would have to deal with is uh, not immediately vomiting from the smells of another era. Yeah. Because it's just everything's just you know. Yeah, it definitely was. That must have been very different. <laughs> it's a smelly. It was a smelly yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's a smelly time. <laughs> So much commercialism basically taught us that we have to, you know, be presentable and use deodorant and use <laughs> yeah. soap and use it. But for most of human history, I feel like. Yeah, that wasn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the good things of living in the modern age, I guess. Is there another era particularly that you are drawn to? Um, no, I can't think of. I mean, I, I enjoyed working on Marie Antoinette because it was fun to to get into um, 18th century in Versailles. And that was probably a really smelly place, speaking <laughs> of that. But um, no, I, I haven't thought of a, spe- a specific era that I would love to get into. But Marie Antoinette too. Marie Antoinette was also like another so beautiful and colorful, and but but kind of had like this modern feel to it. That one I was being more pop with because it was they were teenagers, and I wanted it to have a um, pop feeling. It reminded me of like new, new romantic right. videos when I was a kid. They were always into that period, yeah. so I was kind of having fun with all of that. But also the idea that, in a way, she, it almost felt like she was kind of a prisoner. Not yeah, like a, in her gilded cage. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, that has that, too. That, I like that about the story, that kind of that she was thrown into a world that she wasn't really, she didn't choose. Yeah. And how you find your find your way within where you've ended up. So when you're directing that, is that or you're writing that, when you're adapting that, is, more, is that more based on the the book, or are you... Are you looking at history as well? It's like, yeah, oh, I'd probably be able That I was um, adapting it from Antonia Frazier wrote a biography about her. Yeah. That was, it was more um, kind of, not from, from her point of view, kind of her side of the story, because most history is, she's a villain. Um, so that was interesting to kind of just follow her take on it. And, and um, yeah, so I used that. I, I think I probably could have done more research, but it was so overwhelming to learn all the history. <laughs> that like, the, the parts about the, political side was less interesting about, you know, the, I don't know, we call those Star Wars scenes when they had like a, all the ministers sitting on the table and like, <laughs> we, we need to leave. And I was just like, oh, so out of my element. Um, but we had to have a little of that in it. But I, I preferred the stuff that was more about her, you know, emo- emotions. And- yeah. Did you learn a lot about, did you learn more about directing from hanging around the set when you were a kid or from acting? Oh, uh, definitely from being around my dad's sets. I mean, it helped to be, um, a little bit in front of the camera just to know how how vulnerable that, that is and so I'm sensitive with my actors but um but I learned so much from being on my dad's set all the time yeah and it was always fun and exciting to go to the set and the people that were around him you know all the people he worked with and what do you, I always like to ask directors what they how do you what do you what do you think the job of a director is like what how do you when you go to work what is it that you think you're doing how do you define it Oh, that's funny. I never. Good question. Um, well, everyone has a different. Everyone has a slightly what different am I doing? take on it. Um, I mean, you have this idea in your head of this story you want to make, and um, and then you just get all your get your team together and uh, ask them to help you make it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. 
You're just yeah, telling a story, or yeah, I, have an, I definitely have an idea of what the movie looks like in my head, and then um, it's. I heard Fellini one time say that it's like trying to remember a dream, and um, I thought that that's the most the closest thing I can relate to it. You know, you just have this idea in your head, and and then you have to communicate it to uh, the visual, the team helping you with the visual side of it, and the actors and everyone to interpret that, and then kind of keep guiding it to this idea you have in your head. Yeah, because I, you know, if you're painting, you just have a brush and it's you, and that's yeah. it, and it's a canvas, but. You really are managing a lot of people that cover a lot of disciplines. Yeah, so you have to be clear to to them about how you want each element to be and um, and what you're doing. Yeah. Do you think that does the story inform the characters, or do you think the characters inform the story? Like, which where do you kind of lean? If oh, I guess more from the characters. Like, I'm interested in stories that are driven by the characters, but yeah. I guess they both affect each other. And this right. was more, for me, much more plot-driven, which I've never done anything that was so, you know, thinking about tension and suspense and that the plot was really unfolding, um, which was an experiment for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're shooting this in 26 days, you yeah. said, are you just doing, like, two takes of everything and be like, we got to move on. I know. Not that bad. We, we had a little more time, but it was you, you, like one big scene, then you rush right into the next one and you can't even, it's kind of good because you can't think too much about it. You just have to um, keep going. Yeah. I think that's... You a, can't doubt yourself. You, you can't. You don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good thing. You can doubt yourself. You just like, yeah. you defer it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just defer this. Mm-hmm. Um, have you done a lot of, I really, I really think that there would be, a, I think there's also a great thing for you with, it's not that I'm telling you what you need to do with your career, but um, but I think it'd be really great for if you were able to do more Q and A type stuff for more. Just oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, just because I think people, you know, especially now, especially now, because people can, you know, um, make anything so inexpensively. Oh yeah, and even just in the short time since you started. Things were very different in the 90s in terms of like, oh, you really do have to get film. You got to get. Yeah, no, it's cool that um, I still I still love shooting on film. This was shot on film. But I, I think um, when people ask me like, oh, what, what's your advice? It's like anyone can make a movie and just to try things out. It's great that it's accessible and that you can just try things out and it's not um, anyone can do it. Yeah. How much of it is how much of it to you is science and how much of it is just is it art and gut? Where you're like, oh, you know, every so often this thing has to happen or just, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'll feel it. Um, yeah, it is more intu- intuitive, I think, to me. But then but then there's things I know just from, you know, learning about like the act structure and things from my, but I was a writer first before directing. So I think I learned about writing from him talking about writing. And so it's a combination, I think, of, of you know, having some history and yeah. and knowledge of that, and then and then 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 being intuitive of what feels right. Right. Uh, do you? Not too vague. No, 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 not at all. Actually, yeah. I mean, it is. I think you probably because I the thing the the recurring theme that seems to come up is just like flexibility. Yeah. Where it doesn't matter how rigid you are going into something, going, this definitely has to, you know. Yeah, because you can't control it. Things happen. You lose your location. Like, you have to you have to be flexible and just come up with, um, you know, reacting to the situation of, and how that can be close to what you're, the path you're trying to make. Yeah. Are you a pretty patient person in general? Um. Oh, I don't know. Not, <laughs> I, I can be, but then I'm not when um, I'm excited about something that I'm not patient. But it doesn't... <laughs> You don't seem particularly aggressive. Like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> so your impatience is just more of like an excitement. Yeah. Like, oh, let's do yeah. this. Let's make this. Yeah. And you still feel that way when you go on a set? Do you still feel that? 
Yeah, this one I really wanted to um, make this movie, and I um, and yeah, it's always a you know, challenge to get it all together. And I just was so like, determined that I wanted to make this movie. And I think you have to ha- have that because you hear a lot of no's, and then you just have to find another way around it. So <laughs> it helps to be kind of stubborn. Sure. Mm. Yeah, or uh, persevere because yeah. you also. I know you work in fashion. I mean, you have worked in fashion yeah. too. But I imagine that's a completely separate. Yeah, I mean that's so. I like I like to do kind of side projects and smaller things because movies are so involved and it takes years, and so it's nice in between just to do kind of smaller things. Yeah, to dabble creatively. Yeah. Do you ever just kind of run out and go? You know, I'm just going to go shoot a short film this weekend. I don't really know what it's going to be. I'm just going to go just to scratch uh, that itch. No, I wish. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but um, oh, but my my ten year old daughter's really into horror and gore, so I, I thought we could make a horror film this summer. So oh, I got to really get that together. <laughs> That'd be really fun. <laughs> I should give you. Uh, I, I should, I'll what? get you a list of some really good horror movies. Oh yeah, I would love to know. Like good arty horror movies. Yeah. Your favorites. Um, yeah, there's one out now that she might like because it centers around a little girl. It's called uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. Oh, Glenn cool. Close is in it. Oh, I've never heard of that. It's just really cool. I think it might be British because everyone else in the movie is British but her. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a, it's sort of a it's it's kind of a zombie apocalypse uh, story, but it all kind of centers around this one this one little girl. Oh, cool. It's really cool. Is it scary? Yeah, but not too scary. No, well, I mean, she'll love it. So. Zom- zom- zombie, zombies. I mean, like. Any good zombie movie is gory. Yeah, yeah. So there is a lot of like blood and flesh tearing. But if she's she'll love that. So she's so she's <laughs> yeah. cool with that. Yeah. She'll probably like it. I mean, you know, it. Do you think you will encourage your kids if they want to go in entertainment? Do you think you'll be like, sure, do it? Why not? Or are you going to be like, I don't know. I can't. I want them. I want them to do what they want to do. But I'm not like guiding them and trying to um, push them in that direction. Right. But it doesn't sound like your dad really pushed you in any particular direction. No, but he always just talked. To us about as if we're just going to do that, <laughs> you know, like he was always talking about like, well, when you're, you know, when you're writing the script you make sure, you know, so he, um, I think it's just, he was so always so passionate about his work and he loved, he always talked about it in such a excited way that you can't help kind of being around that and get into it. Yeah. Kind of seems like with kids though, you, and this is just my guess because I don't have them, <laughs> but if you tell a kid like, do this, they're going to be like, no, but if you just sort of leave some clues around and they feel like they're sort of discovering it for themselves, yeah. then then maybe that's the way in. Yeah, I was thinking when we grew up, when we were growing up, he was always watching interesting movies and they were, we were exposed to, you know, great movies. And I think like, like kids, I, they don't want to watch, you know, you can't <laughs> feel like, here, we're going to watch this. It was better that he just had it on and we were there and we saw them, you know, as opposed to whenever I try to show them something like, we don't want to watch an old movie, you know? So, um, but I think it is, it's helpful to be yeah, exposed to some culture. Well, especially the pacing of old movies. Yeah. I don't know how a kid would sit through. Yeah. Even anything from like the seventies or the eighties. I know. Where it's just like, they really take their time. Yeah, no, it's true. It's funny because we were watching um, Trading Places the other day, oh, which I love, and it was really fun to watch with them. But then, like, Jamie Lee Curtis would just take her top off for no reason. <laughs> and they were like, why is she taking her top off? And I was like, well, it was in the 80s, it's and the 80s. probably a, a guy directed it. It was John Landis. Yeah, yeah. It was so, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that movie. But it was just funny to um, to revisit with them. I think some of that, too, was honestly... I think some of that was probably just like, well, you know, uh, we got to put boobs in it for international. Like no, I, there think, was... I think the international sales was based on like how many topless shots. That was like a thing then, I think. But I love that movie. I um, 
Yeah, Dan Aykroyd with the salmon and the beard. And the, be- yeah. the Christmas scene. <laughs> and, yeah. But you're right. There's literally no reason for Jamie Lee Curtis to have her boobs out of yeah. there. Like, it, it doesn't serve. Yeah, there were two scenes right in a row that had no, <laughs> nothing to do with it. Yeah, no plot. Oh, yeah. One of them is Eddie Murphy has a bunch of people over to his house to, when he takes over <gasps> oh, the house. Yeah. And there's just a woman in his, in his bed. Oh, and he's yeah. like, put your clothes on and get out of here. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. But it's just, yeah. there's just no, yeah. Yeah, there, that there one was, sort of fits in a little bit because they're being decadent. But, right. But when she when she brings him home to the apartment and she's like just changing in the bathroom <laughs> while she, he's getting settled in, it's really it is really the era of eighty. Yeah. The eighties are really could be defined with the words gratuitous boobs. <laughs> yeah, just no... I, forgot, I just forgot about that. Like we all grew up with that, I didn't even notice at the time. Well, that was yeah. Like the those R rated comedies in the eighties were oh like, right. Oh, the whole Porky's. Yeah, Porky's yeah. or I, I I get Fast Times was probably R rated, oh, yeah. wasn't it? I get. I just remember that this fame, the Phoebe Cates moment that everyone said the VHS copies were all um, messed up because everyone rewound it. <laughs> the boys rewound that scene. Oh, that's the one where yeah, where Judge Reinhold is yeah, yeah, just cranking it yeah. and, and thinking about Phoebe yeah, Cates. Yeah, yeah. I love that movie though. It's such a classic. How do you define that era? Like, what do you think when you think back of you know '80s movies? Like, what do you think that was? What do you think it was that they were? You know, I haven't sat back and asked myself that, that question. What what were they thinking? Well, I mean, just uh, like you know, like defining the sort of like the tone of an era, or the vibe of an era. Oh yeah, I feel like it was sort of it had an innocence to it, or I don't know. Um, I don't know. I love those John Hughes movies, and and all those movies we're talking about. They had a kind of optimism or something. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel uh, particularly optimistic? Are you an optimistic person? Um. I wouldn't say that I am, but I try not to be negative. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I kind of stay in a little bubble and not try not to be too aware of the awful things that are going on. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to figure out how to climb into that bubble. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. But yeah, once, you've, once you're not in that, I'm not sure how you... <laughs> It's the matrix, right? Yeah, once you yeah. take the once you take the yeah. po- once you take the pill, yeah. it's like, well, you're <laughs> yeah. sorry, you can't go back. Yeah, this is it. You know you what it is. You can cut off some, some. I think. Uh, what is it? You know, when you have free time, what do you what do you do with it? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've just been I've just, I've just been um, working on this. I think um, I don't know, seeing friends and uh, going. I love to see movies in the theater. Um, and New York has you know old movies which are fun to see and. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have lots of interest, but I I like um, I'm taking photos, but I, I, I haven't done anything outside of this movie in so long that I don't. Remember. It's hard to remember. Yeah, yeah. I think New York would be a much better place to live to go to movie theaters because you know L.A. driving, traffic, and parking are always the biggest consideration. Oh. Like, oh, we could go there, but then we gotta. I know. I know. It's hard when you have a nice setup at home, but then I think when you see a movie with an audience. I think it's so, I don't know, it's so enjoyable to, it's such a different experience. Can you watch your movies with an audience? Like this one, The Beguiled, I've, I've seen recently, it's really fun to watch it with the audience because they laugh and people are freaked out and it's such, it's such a different experience. I'm, I'm used to seeing it, you know, just me and the editor but without a reaction. So, um, yeah, I really enjoy it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and there's like that, that kind of communal thing that happens that you forget when you're home download, you know, streaming things. And I, I imagine you're surprised by things that people react to. Like, oh, I didn't realize that would be a thing that people would. Well, it, there's things that we thought were really funny. So it was so enjoyable when you hear people laughing and, and catching those moments that you weren't sure if, if they were, you know, how noticeable they are. So it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're probably getting close to your okay. time because it's just after five. I'm going to see the um, 
Oh, at the New Beverly tonight, uh, Quentin Tarantino were doing a double feature of the Don Siegel Beguiled, oh. my movie, uh, with a Q&A. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh-huh. So... Are you, is, he, are you, is he doing Q&A and you're doing Q&A? Or he's asking me questions. Oh, he's asking you yeah, questions. Yeah, we're, talk, we're having, I don't know, we're talking about it. So I mean, I would imagine you guys are friends at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, it'll be fun to talk to him because he's so enthusiastic. Yeah, I mean, and it's really cool that uh, that the whole, the thing that he did with the New Beverly is such a great... I know, I haven't been there in years, so I'm excited to go. I mean, every every time I drive by, it's on the way to one of the places that I work. And I was like, shit, that double feature looks really good. Right, I know, you got to make more time for a double feature. Features. It'll be like, you know, Stripes and Ghostbuster. You know, it's just like yeah. he, he's such a – he's it's so a, passionate about – I know. It's so cool that he's doing that. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, June 23rd is a movie. Do you have any last bits of – I don't know. I, I always like to find out from people like what is – What's like a guiding principle or what's a piece of wisdom that you have that you kind of keep in your head, a guiding principle of sorts? Oh, that's a good question. What is my, (laughs) I don't know. I try to, um, uh, hmm. I mean, I try to only work on things that I really, um, love and, and don't do something for money. Right. (laughs) That's important. Like you have to really, I think, you know, something that you would just, do if no one was paying it's just that you'd have to do as far as creatively are you okay know. taking money i mean like I don't, in the sense oh. that if someone was like here's a shit ton of money to do this thing do you feel like oh even if it's something that i'm passionate about does that get in the way or oh you- no I mean, i've never had that experience <laughs> but um no if it was something that i was passionate about then, then i'm all for it but um i just mean to, i don't know to make sure you're doing the things you really love yeah excellent and, uh, yeah well, I'm so glad. Yeah. I hope you. I hope and you I look nice... to like Muhammad Ali as someone as dignified and graceful under pressure. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, That's I really think good. about him. Uh, you think about Muhammad Ali often. I do. I mean, he's like one of my role models for when things are, you know, when you're struggling with something like the the whole his whole rope a dope. Did you ever to... get to meet him? No, no, I didn't. But I remember someone telling me when I um. I was going to show my first movie in Cannes, Virgin Suicides, and I was nervous. And he said that Muhammad Ali, when he goes into the ring, he would think, did I train hard enough? Did I do my, everything I could to prepare? And, and, and that helped me to think like, yeah, okay, I did everything I could. And, you know, you see what happens. Well, that's an excellent piece. Oh, good. That, is a, that is a great landing point. Oh, good. Um, but it was a really pleasure talking to you. Thank and you. Uh, congratulations on the movie. And, you know, I'm a fan of your work and I'm a fan of your family. And I love Jason. And Aww. I'm going to shoot him an email afterwards. He's the, best. He's the, the <laughs> sweetest guy. He told the story. He told me a story and he didn't tell it on the podcast, but it was after a podcast about Colin Farrell. Who was in the beguiled? Oh yeah, he, you, yeah, he knew him. I don't know that about meeting his little daughter. Or no, no uh-huh. he Jason. This is just what a sweet guy he is. He goes, um, I think it was a maybe a Beatles book or something. He ordered a book. Oh yeah, what was that story? <laughs> I, yeah, I can't remember that, but yeah, tell me. He ordered a book, and he had been waiting weeks, you know, for forever to get this right. book, and he finally got this book, and he met Colin Farrell, and he was so charmed and. It's like at a loss for words, and Colin Farrell goes, "Oh, that book! I know. I've been, I've been dying to read that." And Jason just goes, 
here, I yeah. got this for you and just gave it to him. Yes, and, I remember that. And I go, did you get to read the book? And he goes, no. <laughs> I never just reordered got, it. He didn't, I mean, maybe he reordered it, but so at funny. that time, he just, uh, all he could think to do was just hand him the I book that he had that. been waiting for. Yeah, Colin is so charming, charismatic that you he compels you to do things like that. That's yeah, so he really funny. is. And Jason's so sweet that in giving that he would do that. <laughs> it's, 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 like a, it's a cute, sweet story. Well, thank you so much um, for coming on. It's been you. a pleasure. Thank you. This is so nice. And enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Norton. Get the security you need and the speed you want with Norton Core. Go to Norton.com slash Nerdist to save $30 if you pre-order before July 1st.